our word of the day and our word of the week uh, in our one word books in this series that uh, we're going through right now is sin. And as I said this morning, next week, next week is wrath. And then the week after that, Alex gets to preach on grace after I have laid this uh, heavy blanket of sin and wrath over you. Alex gets to come in and relieve you with the message of grace. Although this morning's sermon, it, I have to tell you, Alex, I really, I kind of came into your territory in talking about grace. Uh, because you got to present the whole gospel message. And this morning was a little heavier on the sin side, but we still had to answer that with, with the message of God's grace. Tonight, as we anticipate this new week, as you're getting ready to read in your books about sin, uh, we're going to continue our discussion about sin. And I want you to turn uh, with me in your Bibles to Genesis 3. We were in Genesis 3 uh, this morning. Donovan read this morning from verses 1 to 7, and tonight he read from verses 8 to 13. And that's where we're going to be focused on tonight. So I would greatly encourage you to Grab your Bible or a Bible or your phone or however you access God's Word and go with me to Genesis chapter 3 as we continue to talk about sin. You know, Jesus is known as the master of the uh, powerful, probing question. He asks questions in the Gospels over and over and over again. Have you noticed this? It is astounding how many questions that he asks. The next time you read uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, be on the lookout for when Jesus asks a question. And you will come upon hundreds of occurrences of Jesus asking questions. A lot of times uh, in his teaching, his questions cut to the heart, the very heart of an issue or a matter. And they help bring clarity or perspective. Let me just share a couple examples, a couple of many examples that we could talk about. This one's from Matthew chapter 5, verse 47. When Jesus is talking about loving your enemies, you don't have to go there with me. I'll just quote his question here. If you greet only your brothers, Jesus asks, what more are you doing than others? Everybody talks to the people they care about. If you truly want to possess the love of God, then you've got to love just more than than your family or your close friends. If you're just loving those people, if you greet only those people, then you're not doing anything more than anybody else in the world. Even people who are are wicked or evil. So that question, wow, that ought to get us thinking. It's a challenging question. And it, it really strikes at the heart of this matter of having God's love in our hearts. What about Matthew chapter 6, verse 27? Jesus here asks, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Another powerful probing question from Jesus. Many of us struggle with worry and anxiety, and Jesus asks a very practical question. Do you think that you can make your life longer by worrying more? And the answer, of course, is no. And Jesus, the point that he's making here is being anxious, being worried is silly. You need to entrust all of that stuff to God. He can handle it and go throughout your life seeking to please Him. Jesus' questions also do something else. They often expose the motives of the people that He's asking. 
Check out Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. Here Jesus says, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Wow. That probably hit his audience like a ton of bricks. Why do you not obey God's commands because you're so concerned with your own man-made traditions? And then John chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus says, Why do you seek praise from one another and not praise that comes from God. You want accolades from your fellow man, but you're not concerned with the praise that is most important, and that is that which comes from your heavenly Father. So the Gospels are filled with Jesus' powerful questions. But you know, as it turns out, God has been asking good, powerful questions from the very beginning of time. In the aftermath of the first sin, which we talked about, This morning, God asks Adam and Eve three questions in Genesis chapter 3 that we're going to look at tonight. And they are questions that he could easily ask us. In fact, tonight, I want you to use your imagination. And I want you to pretend as if God is asking you these three questions that that we're going to be looking at. I, I, I want you to envision hearing these questions addressed to you from God Himself. Look with me starting in verse 8 of chapter 3. This is after they take of the fruit, their eyes are opened, they realize they're naked, they sew fig leaves together. Uh, The innocence of their existence is lost because of sin. Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And I referenced this in a recent sermon. And we talked about the communion, the relationship that the first man and woman shared with God. It's extraordinary. In that scripture would describe God as walking in in this garden in the cool of the day. To show us the sort of relationship that he shared, and that he intended to share for all time with humanity. And so here we have God walking through the garden, and the next part says, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now why would they hide from their beloved God, the one who created them, the one who made them in order to share this Perfect connection with Him. Well, what we see here is that sin has already unleashed one of its saddest, cruelest consequences. And that's guilt or shame. The first humans are embarrassed to appear before God. They don't want God to see them because they know they've messed up. They know they've done something that's displeasing to God. And so this easy, natural relationship that was supposed to exist, it is no more. There is is strife. There is difficulty. And the humans, the first humans, Adam and Eve, they don't want God to see them because sin has entered the world. And because guilt and shame has entered the world along with it. Guilt and shame are still effects, consequences of sin that we deal with today. When we 
are involved in sinful behaviors or attitudes, we often feel a deep sense of guilt and shame and embarrassment. And we think that God doesn't want to have anything to do with us. That He wouldn't want to see us or interact with us ever again. We're just like Adam and Eve. We hide ourselves, or at least we try to hide ourselves from God because we're ashamed of the people that we often are. Let's keep reading in uh, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man and he said to him, Where are you? And this is question number one that I want us to consider. Where are you? Now this is an ironic question, isn't it? Because God, He knew. He knows where we are at any given time. I think about a couple passages of Scripture here. The Hebrews writer says, No creature is hidden from God's sight. That's chapter 4, verse 13. Nobody can hide from God. And God knows where everything is at all times. The psalmist reflects in the 139th Psalm, starting in verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? And that's a rhetorical question. The answer is nowhere. I can't escape from you, God. I I go up here, you're there. I go down here, you're there too. There's nowhere that I can go away from your presence. Nobody can hide from God. And so God knows before He even asks this question. He knows exactly where Adam and Eve are hiding. This question doesn't show us that God doesn't know where they are. It shows us the heartbreaking distance and alienation that is now being experienced between God and humanity that sin has brought about. God knows where they are, exactly where they are, are, but He doesn't know them in an intimate relationship like the one they shared before. Sin came into the world. And so we get this very sad question. Where are you? A question of distance, of of alienation. And it's a question that we ought to hear God asking us. Right where we sit tonight. Where are you? Where are you in your relationship with me? Are you trying to hide from me? Because of the sin in your life? You feel ashamed, guilty, embarrassed to be seen in my presence? Where are you? Or are you you walking with me in the garden side by side? Do we have a close bond relationship? Have you invited me to join you throughout the journey of your life every step of the way? Or maybe you're somewhere in between. Tonight, But I want you to hear God asking this question to you as He asked Adam all those thousands of years ago, where are you in relation to God? Where are you tonight? Let's keep reading here. Verse 10. And He said, Adam, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? In this passage, it's who told you specifically that you were naked? 
Who revealed to you that this was a problem? Who alerted you to the fact that you lived in this innocent, perfect relationship with me? Who destroyed your innocence is what God is asking. God sounds an awful lot like a parent here to a child who may, maybe comes home from school and they know something that the parent has, was not yet ready to teach to the child. And they come in and they start talking about a, a word or an idea that, well, the parents were just not quite ready to go there, not quite ready to talk about that. And so that parent might say, who told you? Who told you that? Who revealed that to you? And then it opens up a whole big can of worms that you just weren't quite ready to get into yet. For us, it's not this specific question, but it's who told you that the way you're living is a God-honoring way of life? Who told you that what you're doing would bring about health and wholeness? Who told you that what you're neglecting to do is a good idea? Who are you listening to that's been telling you that the way that you're living is the right way? Sin always comes about in our lives because we listen to the wrong voices. Sin reared its ugly head in the story of Adam and Eve because they chose to listen to the voice of the serpent, the evil one, rather than the voice of God. They start by arguing with him a little bit, but the serpent, he... He confuses them and he says, no, 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 no. Don't listen to God. Listen to me. I know more about it than he does. And so he leads them down this path and they sin. And God asks them this question, who told you? And again, God knows the answer. God knows who led them astray. But he asks all the same to prove that listening to the wrong voices can lead us badly astray. So I want you to hear God asking you this question. Who who told you? Who told you to do that? Who told you to act that way? Who told you that that would bring true satisfaction in life and uh, eternal salvation? Whose voice has your attention? Who are you tuned into? Are you listening to God? Are you allowing Him to speak to you through His Word? Is He the one who bends your ear? Is He the one who you are allowing to guide you through this life, through every decision that you make? Or have you been tuning in to the voice, the deceptive voice of the evil one? Who are you listening to? Adam and Eve got in a whole heap of trouble because they were listening to the wrong voice. Now, there's another question. Let me, let me share this one with you. And This is just a freebie, okay? I once heard a preacher say, while I'm flying over, let me drop this down on you. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing right here. This is not one of the three. Uh, but there's another question here that God asks in verse 11. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? God says to Adam and Eve, uh, have you disobeyed me? God here, I'm hearing him say, I gave you an abundant garden full of delights. And if there was a better example of God's Willingness to give abundantly to those he loves. I can't think of one than this one here, than the creation and God placing Adam and Eve in the garden. God says, I've given you all of all these trees and 
all of this wonderful scenery and these delicious fruits to enjoy, and you did the one thing. There was just one, but you did the one thing, the only thing that I asked you not to do. Such disappointment, I hear from the voice of God in that moment. But let's continue reading, and we'll soon discover the third question. Verse 12, the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And so it takes Adam no time to throw Eve straight under the bus. It was the woman that you gave. And he blames God too. You're hearing this. You gave her to me, remember? You gave her to me, and she's the one who led me astray. She gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, she passes the buck to somebody else. It was the serpent who deceived me and I ate. God is not fooled. The serpent and Adam and Eve all face consequences. It is all their faults that this happens. That sin enters into the world. He asks Eve, but he could have just as easily asked Adam because they both and the serpent suffer the consequences of their sin. Now they're upset about to find out the damage that they caused as God sort of lays out the punishment. Uh, But they don't, in their finite, limited human minds, they don't understand the extent of the damage that they unleashed into the world through their sin. Uh, Destruction and devastation like we talked about this morning, that still continues today as a result of this decision. We don't understand the extent. We will never fully grasp the extent to which sin has devastated and destroyed this world. But we ought to hear God asking us, do you know what you've done by sinning? Do you know what you've done? You've perpetuated the sin that began back in the time of Adam and Eve. You have caused Jesus, in a sense, to experience the pain of the cross all over again. And we ought to hear God asking a similar question, and that is, do you realize what you might potentially do by sinning? If we're experiencing temptation... Uh, In any way, we need to hear God asking, do you realize what this decision could do to you? To your reputation? To your family? To your friends? To your church family? To your business? To your entire way of life? To your entire world? Think about what you're about to do. Do you realize the damage that you will cause, not just to you, like dropping a pebble into a pond, the ripple effects will, will spread out and will impact all sorts of people. Do you realize what you're about to do? Do you realize what you've done by sinning? Adam and Eve, they realize it to an extent, but they can't fully grasp it, and neither can we, but we ought to try. Because it's only when we understand the gravity of our sin do we understand our need for a Savior. So, let's revisit these questions. These three questions. 
asked of Adam and Eve, but which could just as easily be asked of us as believers today. Where are you? Where are you? Do you feel distant from God like Adam and Eve? Are you hiding from God? Are you ashamed? Are you racked with guilt because of the sin problem? You can change that tonight. You can change that tonight by submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the second question. Who told you? Who have you been listening to? What voices have your ear? Maybe it's time to change the station in your mind. Maybe you're tired of listening to voices that have led you astray one too many times and you know are leading you down the wrong path. You're ready to tune in to the, to the voice of God that will lead you into the way of life and salvation. And lastly, what have you done? And what might you do as a result of your sin? You can't fully imagine the destruction that sin brings to your life and the world. But an even more important question than this third one is, what has Christ done to handle the sin problem? And the answer is, He's done absolutely everything necessary to take care of sin in your life and in the world. He's done everything He needed to do to destroy sin. I mentioned 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 this morning. I'll mention it again. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. While we were stuck in our sins, Jesus willingly went to the cross to die in our stead, on our behalf, in our place. We receive God's Righteousness were made right in His eyes once again. And we no longer have to feel the guilt and the shame that accompanies sin because Jesus has taken our sins and nailed them to the cross. And He has experienced the burden of those sins on His shoulders for our sake. He has taken care of your sin. Have you taken care of coming and receiving the gift of eternal life through Him. God offers it this evening. It's always on the table. But you have a chance before the end of the day to make things right with the Lord. And if you need to do that, don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. If there's another spiritual need or struggle that you have that you'd like to make known so that we can be praying, this is also a time for you to come and to do that. We sing this song of encouragement for anybody with a spiritual need. Won't you come right now as we stand and sing it together? Love for all and can it be.